2: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, we have a lot of things uh, we're going to be covering. I'm hopefully going to get um, Ivan Raiklin on uh, to discuss uh, the uh, Electoral College uh, showdown that's uh, looming. Uh, some things that we're going to be uh, dealing with there uh, are gonna be very very interesting and uh one of the things is I did post uh the entire you know wiki Wikipedia kind of deal uh with respect to the um the electoral college and what we're what we're gonna be dealing with actually and um I'm going to actually get into that today and it's uh, kind of interesting um because uh and I'm just finding it right here um because uh it it just it's it's uh pretty well involved in it it um it's it's yeah here it is 3 US code section 15 uh counting electoral votes in congress and i want to get into that because i want to ha- get a full understanding and then also we want to talk about louis gomert uh the uh texas congressman who sued Pence. And what does that mean? What's that about? Right. So there's a couple of uh, interesting things about that. You know, at first glance, you know, some people might look at that and say, why is he suing his own, you know, but uh, it compels, it does a lot of good things. Uh, But the one thing is it, it compels congressmen to not be so political and to do the right thing. So when you think about it, uh, when congressmen, what, There's a few things. Pence. Pence, uh, you know, when he does go political, he'll be on good footing. And, you know, it does help support his case that uh, Arizona's uh, state representatives are um, holding their ground. Pennsylvania, there was new fraud. The Pennsylvania state legislature, the GOP state legislature, just announced that there were 205,000 more voters than uh, the more uh, votes than voters, uh, and we're going to break that down a little bit. So there's a, there's a lot of interesting uh, bit tidbits that are going out, um, and then there's also the news that's going on. You know, it seems like Nashville's become an uh, ancient memory. Right? <laughs> it's just happened on Christmas Day. Christmas was just Friday. We're about to break into a whole new year. I remember four years ago. Uh, it was Lindsey Graham and John McCain and uh, Amy Klobuchar and uh, Marie Yovanovitch were all sitting there parting it up with Pornchenko and his military. You wonder why that? What was that? What was going on there? And I wonder where Lindsey Graham is this year. Is he going to Ukraine again on the uh, transition? To, uh, the Biden, you know, the the so-called Biden transition. Biden's not even president-elect, and yet he's. <laughs> complaining about not getting his briefings from the uh, upper echelons of the Pentagon. But that's because he can't be trusted. He's been in bed with China, the number one foe, the number one adversary to the United States. Why in the world will we share information with uh, someone who's sleeping with the enemy? And literally, I mean, in Eric Swalwell's case, literally. And a lot of people are talking about declassifying Eric Swalwell. Eric Swalwell, just to declassify it. Let's show it all. What would they have done? You know, they were leaking classified information left and right. So let's see what Adam Schiff will do. You know, uh, Paul Preston was telling me that he uh, read a report that said there was an Adam Schiff, uh, whose uh, residence was in uh, Potomac, Maryland, uh, that... Uh, in l a uh, the court docs suggested that there was a guy named Adam Schiff that was arrested, so there's that um, also we have a family member uh, we have a fa- Leonor has a niece, and that niece is uh, in Croatia and so croatia had just had an earthquake. so I just wanted to um, say you know send our prayers out to uh, them. They're okay, but uh, in any case, getting back to business. What are we up against? So I want to talk about this Louis Gomer deal and this lawsuit and why I think it's actually pretty good. You got senators like Toomey, right? Toomey is political, right? They look at things and they're like, ah, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. We want to stick to our parliamentary procedures. The government, this show must go on. And, um... And uh, K Street money has got to be happy, and the lobbyists are going to be happy. And uh, and we're going to talk also about the NDAA and the um, stimulus package as well. We got some audio clips related to that and why it is that President Trump is holding out for a better deal. So a lot of people think that President Trump sort of folded, but he, he really didn't. And so we're going to get to Get to that as well. There's so much to talk about, and it's coming in from all angles, right? And it's it's a it's a bit of a challenge to keep it all so organized. But we're going to do our best. So, also, uh, the oh one other one other thing before we move on to Gomert, the Supreme Court requires lower courts to exclude illegal aliens from census counts. That's a big win for the Patriots in America that's a big win right there all right so GOP lawmakers <clears throat> file a lawsuit against VP Pence and challenge to election results led by Texas representative Louis Gomert is he's leading the charge in the legal effort he hopes will prove fruitful on January 6th so on Sunday a lawsuit was filed against Vice President Mike Pence by GOP Louis Gomert. And the lawsuit is about the very specific role that the vice president plays on January 6th, when Congress meets to count the Electoral College votes, as is expected, uh, it's to, and they're expecting it to certify, you know, the people in Congress and the people in the mainstream media, they're expecting to certify Joe Biden as the winner of the election. And even if even if they end up doing that, even if that were to happen, which... I'm thinking it's not going to happen, especially in light of the new information that we got about Pennsylvania and some new information that's coming out about Georgia and some new information about Arizona. And again, I think those three states right there, you know, those three states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, are all so important. Because if you look at Biden's 306, Uh, And you take 16 away from uh, Georgia, and now he's now 290, right? And then you take 20 away from Pennsylvania, now he's 270. You still need 270 to win, he's got 270. But then you throw in Arizona or Nevada, and you now have a contested situation that goes to the delegations. So when they go about their business and they... Talk about the certification certified electors, and President Vice President Pence uh, has to take a look and evaluate these things. Number one, there will be objections uh, made on the floor, and and in addition, oh, we we have um, uh, I think we have uh, uh, Ivan Raclim calling in on the uh, cell phone. But what we want them to do is call in on the call-in line. So let's see. Is this Ivan Ra- Raiklin? Good
0: morning, Mr. Scott Adams.
2: All right. Hey, uh, can we ask you to call the 215-867-8255 number? Yeah, it's in my
0: text, so I'll let me do
2: that right now. Yep. Yeah, okay, sure, great. And uh, we're going to be talking about this very, very thing and about the procedures Uh, that we are going to be uh, playing around with. So this is Ivan. We had him on last week, and he's making the rounds, and he's doing some really great work. And so Ivan Raiklin is uh, a a constitutional scholar, uh, also a former Navy SEAL and some some other great things, real patriot to America. And we got him on the line. And um, Ivan Raiklin, welcome to the Scott Adams Show.
0: Hey, thanks again for having me, Scott. I really appreciate
2: it. Yes, thank you. And uh, here, you know, the thing is I have so much respect for your constitutional knowledge. Uh, you know so much about what's going on here, and you've come up with um, some really great ideas. Uh, and I think that, you know, when you're going to take the fight to, uh, you know, to this situation, you got to pull out, you know, all the stops. Now, um, I, I was right. just talking about Gomert and his lawsuit against Pence. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about that and how that's really a great strategy?
0: No, absolutely. So in in the kind of fallout of December 23rd, where we're talking about uh, potentially Pence using the, quote, first Pence card. Uh, From that, I think, uh, triggered uh, ripeness for some of these cases that are coming out. There's the the case of, uh, what is it, the... uh, uh, what's his name? Klein. Yes, I think it is of uh, yeah. the. Uh, I just can't think of the name of the of the organization that he runs. But he he filed a lawsuit, and it was uh, somewhat similar to what kind of Gomer's doing. But it's suing the vice president as well as the states for violating multiple components of the Constitution to not be able to accept them. And then in the in the case of Gomer, Congressman Gomer from Texas, um, he filed a lawsuit that essentially claims that. Title Three of the U.S. Code, Section 15 in particular, violates the 12th Amendment. So in that case specifically, it's discussing a component that I've incorporated into my analysis. That uh, My analysis of the four-page document that I, I think I have maybe still pinned as a tweet uh, goes into the analysis of how we conduct the contingent election and then how we conduct the object, objection procedure in the House and Senate. So just to talk about that real briefly and then tying yeah. it into the case with Gomer, I argue that the vice president, under his authority, has the ability, if there's a disagreement between the House and the Senate, when they break out after an objection, and say, for example, the Senate rules to object from those electors, 52 to 48, or whatever the majority may be at the time after the Senate runoff if it occurs in Georgia, it prevails, let's just assume it prevails in the Senate, and it does not prevail in the House because it's voted individually by the 435 members, um, and the um, Democrats have may, the majority there. Allow me to interject. So President it's a it's a simple to- rule that there should be a tiebreak procedure under the 12th Amendment, Wait. thus Ivan going to the states one state one vote. Ivan,
2: yep. let's let's back up just for a second, okay? And and I want you to start mm-hmm. from this point. So when they go and, and sure. uh, there's an objection in the House and an objection in the Senate. And they they go to each one of their chambers, um, correct. We're hoping for we're hoping that the Senate Republicans stay strong and vote in. Uh, it's a simple majority vote. Is that correct?
0: Correct. Okay. Fifty-one. My analysis is that it has to be fifty-one. So majority of the of the members that are present. Now, so, would Vice President Pence uh, be, and I, I be a tiebreaker? Because it's fifty, basically fifty-one.
2: Could Vice President Pence be the tiebreaker in that?
0: That's going to be up to him because I have not seen any precedent saying otherwise. Okay. Whether he can or cannot.
2: All right, and then and then in the House again, once again, it's it's uh it's a simple majority. You get one more vote. It's a simple and-
0: majority, but the lawsuit by Gomer argues that that simple majority procedure, as interpreted from Article Three, or excuse me, Title Three, Section Fifteen, is unconstitutional, and that the Twelfth Amendment contingent election constructs should be applied during the objection period. And I argue, so he's arguing that it's, the Title Three component is unconstitutional and that 12th Amendment, uh, one state, one vote should apply if he prevails. My argument, in addition to that, I mean, that's a brilliant strategy, brilliant argument. I won't take anything away from him. It's, it's great. Uh, my argument, in addition to that, if he does not prevail in that lawsuit against the vice president, is to have the vice president decide on his own that title three section 15 stays in place um but before it does get triggered he is going to exhaust all constitutional methods and in that instance if there's a conflict between the two houses he's going to call for a contingent election style vote to determine whether or not to accept objections to these slates of electors and that would trigger the one state one vote rule and then both houses would be in agreement to object to those slates of electors. And then if they not, if, if for some reason the state delegations rule to accept for some reason and then the Senate uh, uh, declines uh, those slates of electors and there's still conflict after the one-state-one vote, tie-break vote, if you will, then I argue that he can go ahead and revert back to Title Three, Section 15, which talks about how he would have to accept the governor's certification of the votes, of the electoral votes, and currently as it stands, those six states are, are for Biden. So before triggering that three USC 15, I argue that Pence would need to do that. And then again, in that lawsuit, uh, Gomert says that that section is null and void, and to just go ahead and, and it would force Pence to make the decision that I argue he has discretionary authority over. So it's, it's one better than what I was arguing.
2: Wow. Okay. And uh, will there be an emergency hearing for that court uh, for that suit?
0: I don't know. I mean, that's (laughs) based on how things are going right now. uh, I would suspect that that the district court, based on who it is, uh, who appointed that district court, and I'm sure the relationships that are in the vicinity of that court, they would probably take it up here in short order, maybe the next day or so and then have a ruling the day after. But it would be either party is going to appeal it, uh, and then it would go to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And then the Supreme Court, I just think that in this instance, where where it starts to look as though Vice President Pence is going to use these options that he has, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I think the Supreme Court may take up the case because my reading of Chief Justice Roberts He's going to try to pull all of his discretionary authority to stop the president from getting reelected. So I think this may be one of the instances where the, take, the court does take it up, but I think they only take it up if he has a sense that he can peel yeah. off one of the conservative justices in his favor to ensure a loss for President Trump. That's my assessment.
2: And I I think it's an interesting development too, or it's not even a development, it's a scheduled event where um for some reason President uh Vice President Pence uh has decided that he is going to go on a trip the day or two after uh the sixth and he's gonna to go to the Middle East and Poland. And so he's gonna be well, there's, there's two components to that,
0: I think. I think one is a lot of people are arguing that it's he's he's kinda of dodging, he's he's splitting out of town, if you will so that he doesn't have to face the base in whatever decision or non-decision he makes. But on the flip side, he may be leaving uh, after voting in favor of re-election to let things calm down for two weeks so he doesn't take the heat for it. So there's, I mean, we just don't know. It's really up to him and what he does on January 6th.
2: It's the heat diffused because it's like, okay, well, or or someone's going to try to sue him, right? If he does something really wonderful for America... Uh, and then the left tries to assume in every way, shape, and form, he's going to be out of, bit, out, of, out of office, right? I mean, he's going to be in the Middle East with Bahrain and going over to Poland, and uh, that's going to be an interesting development yeah, right so there.
0: If he makes that bold, decisive action to right. do what I recommend, or if the court decides uh, and it doesn't make it to the Supreme Court, and he says, I object to these six or seven states because they didn't meet the constitutional threshold." Of being submitted to our body here in the U.S. Congress, and he guarantees the reelection for himself and President Trump. Uh, he could dodge for two weeks, and
2: okay, because and
0: the, I would say that the left is going to go ballistic if he does that, and then we'll so kind of, He could have that two-week cooling period.
2: And then there's there's actually some recent developments in Arizona with their electors. Uh, pretty much are doubling yep. down with their position, uh, and then and then you have um, some new developments in Georgia to new evidence. Now
0: Kelly Ward also joined in that case with Louis Goldman. That's right. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you saw. No, that. that's yep. exactly she's right. The chair, she's the chairwoman or chair of the Arizona GOP for those that.
2: Right. So those elector those they've joined that lawsuit, and then and then the other part is with Pennsylvania. Big development yesterday, where the uh. The GOP state legislature uh, found that there were two hundred and uh, nearly two hundred and five thousand more votes than voters. Uh, that doesn't square. Yes, right. I saw
0: that. It, right, and so there's there are more dynamics involved here. The other component. Are you familiar with the name Bobby Pitten or Python?
2: Oh yeah, the, this, uh, uh, the math handle the, the Bobby math Python is.
0: Three. And he yeah he's he's doing further analysis that I think. The number is closer to eight hundred thousand of phantom voters that he's been able to identify through database analysis, and it's pretty compelling.
2: Can you explain Uh, that a little bit? Because
0: dive into Georgia,
2: I was talking about that yesterday as well. And uh, I, uh, you know, if you can help explain that, Uh, it's it's something about a certain like the same name or uh, how did that break down? Did you recall?
0: Right, He, he he understands it better than I think any of us. Uh, but his tweets were a little bit confusing, so I followed up with a phone call. He basically explained it. He did an analysis of last names within the United States and then the uh, kind of like the average of what types of last names occur and how many occur, and then he divided it out by state. And then using those averages, you would think that a certain number of last names would occur by a certain population. And it didn't occur in... Uh, what is it, in Pennsylvania. So there was this, again, this is not a certainty, it's a, sti- a statistical a high on probability that there are much fewer last names that are listed in, in Pennsylvania than in the average aggregate in the entire United States. And as he dug further, he's identifying even more anomalous activity, which puts him at a, I would, he's assessing with almost certainty that there was some sort of coordinated effort within these states, because he looked at California, Pennsylvania, and Georgia uh, using this same analytic technique to determine that the, the, basically the numbers show that it was coordinated because of the, uh, I guess, congruence of the analysis. It, I'm not probably explaining, explaining it well, mm-hmm. because I don't know it as well as he does, but that's kind of what I understood. It's yeah. statistical anomalies based on last names.
2: And, you know, do you think that the Supreme Court is going to weigh in on any of these cases, particularly the one uh, where we say, you know, it's it's really unconstitutional uh, to actually be counting votes uh, or, or that came in after the election day? Uh, because by the Constitution, election day, if it was scheduled for November 3rd, uh, then it's got to end at midnight on November 3rd. Anything after that that comes in too late.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's multiple layers and components. I mean, if you have any sort of fraud, technically under a previous case law in the late 1800s, I believe, you know, fraud vitiates everything. There's that component. There's a November 3rd electoral piece. So all of these things have not been taken up and and addressed by the Supreme Court. And in my estimation, I would say that they probably will not take up anything before the 6th. um, And they're going to wait until what the results are on the 6th and then the lawsuits right. are going to fly after that.
2: Now, now just to that, remind everyone of yeah,
0: Ulysses Grant, I believe was 115 days. Uh, it took him to win the presidency because of lawsuits and similar cases of fraud. So, uh, buckle in. I mean, January 6th is is one date. January 20th is technically another date in the Constitution under the 20th Amendment. Uh, but again, when when lawsuits are flying and and people are in disagreement.
2: It so, could be so, a, a so, three-,
0: four-month period.
2: Um, maybe you could explain <laughs> a little bit precedent. about uh, Ulysses Grant. Okay, so you said that was 115 days?
0: I believe it was 115 days. There was, uh, it was floated around again yesterday. I saw it a few weeks back uh, a couple months ago. I think the article was published, and Newt Gingrich retweeted that uh, yesterday at some point, uh, putting it out there, and kind of you know, made its rounds on Twitter again.
2: Well, and then I've read clearly, uh, you know, if th- uh, one team, you know, say team Biden, uh, committed f- out and out fraud, even if it's just one state, mm-hmm. uh, at that moment, uh, they're disqualified as the winner. Now, after the. Yeah, talk- that, that is
0: one argument based on the fraud piece. Well, oh, one thing I will say is my advice to Vice President Pence with this lawsuit with Louis Gomart, going back to that, is. He could take the stance of you know, responding to that lawsuit and say, you know what, uh, plaintiff Gomer and Kelly Ward, I agree 100% with your analysis. So then the court, what is the court going to do if both parties agree, similar to how what happened uh, with, I mean, it was, it was a oh, criminal wow. thing, but this is a civil. civil. Remember with General Flynn and, and the Department of Justice, they both decided to drop the case. The judge decided not to allow it to be dropped.
2: Well, it is and a legal then
0: what happens in a civil matter?
2: <laughs> it is a legal situation where it's like do both sides stipulate? Yes, I stipulate. Okay, then it's agreed upon.
0: Right, and there's no controversy. So then everybody agrees that the vice president or everybody agrees that Title 3 Section 15 is violates the 12th amendment.
2: Right. And so the only and way so you so could you really think the stipulate
0: going to,
2: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, the only way you could really ahead. stipulate, the only way you could really stipulate is when there's a contest. So, like, if you have a legal contest, then, you know, because you could stipulate, you and I could stipulate right now, right? And that's not legally mm-hmm. binding. But if we have a legal case, Correct. and the two legal parties get together, and it's a legal case with a real legitimate affidavit and whatever else, it, uh, then when you stipulate, it actually becomes a legal uh, ruling that, that the other side would then need to appeal. And like you said last week when we had you on.
0: Right, and so the, the court would enjoin Vice President Pence in that argument, and so is there time from now, eight days away, to January 6th? Let's just assume today they look at the case, tomorrow's the ruling, there's five or six, five, six days remaining, the district court says that, that the Title III does violate the, the uh, uh, 12th Amendment, and then Vice President Pence says, well, based on that court ruling, I am I'm bound... To follow the instructions of the 12th Amendment because the Supreme Court, it's not, it's not going to yes. be the Supreme Court in time.
2: Yeah, no, that, that clarifies <laughs> it. I
0: love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, Ivan Raiklin, uh how can we follow you on social media? Uh, you're just a wealth of knowledge and you're doing some really great work these days.
0: No, thank you, Scott. So, yeah, just my last name. It's spelled R A I K L I N. Uh, it's pronounced Raiklin. You got it right. It's uh, just Twitter. And if I get bumped off of Twitter, you can find me based on that last name. It's a unique last name. Uh, really anywhere else, whether it's Parler or, or, or any of the other social media platforms.
2: Great. Thank you so much. Great talking with you. Thanks, Scott. All right. See you. Here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Yeah. Love that guy. Uh, he's just absolutely genius. And, uh, you know, it, um, that, that conversation, you know, I was, I, was, I'm a little, I was a little confused about it. And then, boom, it hit me. And uh, the light bulb sort of went off in my head, and I totally get it now because I was using that word stipulate. I remember once in, in, um, uh, I had a civil case where I was in court, someone sued me for something, and I stipulated that, uh, we were in the wrong, uh, uh, jurisdiction, and so stipulated, and the case was thrown out. And, uh, it was a you know ridiculous case anyway, but, um, in any case, uh, the the word you know the, the, so stipulations are are legally, you know, binding when you're in a court. Once you both stipulate to something, you've agreed, and once you agree to this, uh, it's it has you know then it's okay, fine. The the gavel goes down, case dismissed, and then say the other side may say, whoa, 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 wait a second, no, that's not sure that's not copacetic, that's not right. And at that point, it would be beholden to the Democrats, you know, the Democrats would be compelled to, you know, appeal that ruling, to to appeal that conclusion, to appeal that decision. Now, we just got to get it in front of a court. um, But, you know, somehow, if you can make that legally binding, then that becomes a precedent until it's further appealed. And the idea is the courts don't want to pick this up. That's the problem. The courts don't want to pick it up. And once the courts pick it up, then all the evidence comes out. And that's the that's the kicker. And so the other one is, um, you know, if you take some guy like Eric Coomer or Dominion suing for defamation, suing Sidney Powell, for example, Lynn Wood made this very clear. It's like, I love the fact that you're going to sue us because we're going to hold you to discovery like there's no tomorrow. You're going to have to disclose all your goodies, right? All of it. Boom. Give it to me. I want everything. So sue at your own uh, peril. You could sue me at your own peril. But as soon as you sue me, I'm going to demand disclosure. And the disclosure is going to be compelling. And it's going to showcase all the things we've been talking about that you've been hiding. You know, another thing that was interesting about the Dominion machines, and we've kind of moved over to there. Code monkeys out there um, has discovered that uh, that uh, there was a, they were using this thing called Cloudflare. Everybody, you know, a lot of people use Cloudflare. It's a cloud-based um ip address distribution uh to to help um uh with performance of per websites loading in an international um landscape where it's basically like a cloud uh, a, a server farm cloud where um data is uh finding the uh path of least resistance or the quickest uh, set of hops uh and and so that's interesting and so um But we found that that, uh, Dominion was using the same SSL cert, the secure socket layer cert. You know those SSLs that you have, like for commerce on the internet, that where you you get a little lock on your browser and it's secure, it's a secure encrypted connection? Well, that SSL, it's called uh, secure socket layer. And instead of using port 80 for TCP IP browsing, www is port 80, uses port 443. Uses a different port, a secure port. And so um, we have the Cloudflare. And this is interesting because they're sharing in Serbia and in uh, Spain and in Ontario. They're sharing uh, just like we suspected just like we suspected. We suspected that they had a Spanish company that was doing some business in, uh, I think it was Barcelona. And uh, they also traced back to Serbia. And we know that it's a Canadian-based company, Ontario. And so that's kind of interesting, you know, where we're seeing the same SSL encrypted code used in all of those countries So they are being served up in those countries. So let's get to um, this uh, bit of business with with regard to the uh, Pennsylvania, the new Pennsylvania fraud. It's quite interesting. All right. So Republican State Representative Russ Diamond, okay, Russ Diamond uncovered and reported today, yesterday, that the results for president are way off in Pennsylvania. More ballots were cast than people voted by more than 200,000 votes. I don't know how anybody in Congress, if there's an objection and then a vote in each chamber on January 6th, I don't know how anybody could look at this data and refute it. And I love the way this stuff is coming out last minute because sometimes that's the way you do business in, in legal, in the legal department. You don't give your adversaries time enough to really react. But it's like, look, total ballots cast, you know, 6,962,607 county data. And the sure data was close to it. It was six million seven hundred sixty thousand two thirty. That's two hundred and two thousand three hundred seventy seven more ballots cast than voters who voted, and that's the key. It's not number of votes because there's uh, some pre- uh, uh, journalists on the left that are that are saying, though, hey, there's nine million votes uh, voters in Pennsylvania." You mean to tell me that? Um, you know that you couldn't get seven million votes. So the idea is that it was total ballots cast versus uh, total, uh, and and there was total ballots counted. All right, so let's go to the total votes counted in presidential race county data: six million nine hundred thirty-one thousand uh, and sixty. Those are the amount of votes that were counted, and. There was a hundred in that case, there was 170,830 more ballots cast than voters who voted. So the SURE system total voters who voted on 11 3 2020, SURE data 6.760 million, and so that's 170,000 uh, uh ballots cast than voted, and not only that, but there's new reports coming out where people are are suggest, are saying that they got, you know, 12 ballots. And there's a uh, there's a new arrest in PA where a person actually filed registered two dead people and voted. And that person's been arrested. I've posted that on my social media. So that's kind of interesting too. So let's get back to Louis Gomer and his lawsuit. The lawsuit argues a unconstitutional case against the 1887 law, but remains a long shot attempt to change the apparent outcome of the November election. A long shot, yes. But again, anything can happen because there was so much fraud that when we see it, uh, it doesn't even matter. Because even if November 6 comes and goes and somehow uh, they look at it as now uh, it's a Biden president elect, even if that were to happen if they, if they find that there's out and out fraud uh that that winner's um that winner's disqualified and that's the issue at any point on the, on January 19th 2021 the day before inauguration and as uh, Ivan Raklin was saying he said in USS Ulysses S Grant um that was 115 days so somehow they you know uh Found stuff even months into the presidency, which is the case uh, that I've made a few times, and John uh, one of our listeners uh waited and <laughs> reminded me it was a uh, Ruiz uh, the runner, but you know there was a there was a race in New York, New York marathon, and one of the women cut through the park and shaved off time and ended up winning the race and say you shave off a uh, it's a six minute mile average and you shave off uh Uh, a mile by running through the park, skipping through the park. You just saved yourself six minutes. Now you win by two. And the person um, comes in second, lost by two minutes. They say, wait a second, we found video two weeks later after the race had been certified and everything's done. It's in the record books. Next thing you know, you find this video of this runner skipping through the park. And you say, well, if they didn't do that, I would have won by four minutes. More than double what they actually won by. Well, you fix that problem, don't you? I mean, that's just the way—that's the American way, right? You fix the problem, and that's what happened. There's no way that you can tell me, no way that you could tell me that that all of this, all of this uh, nonsense, actually happened. You know, um, I have uh, this image here, and they've expanded upon it, which is kind of interesting. And it goes like this. So it says Obama got 69 million votes. Trump got 74 million votes. Obama won 873, uh, 873 counties. Biden only won 477 counties. Guess what? Trump won 2,497 counties. You say, well, ah, that's a lot of farm counties, right? But here's a better one. The bellwether counties. You win these, you, you always win. Well, Trump won 18 out of 19 bellwether counties. Guess what? Obama won 18 out of 19 bellwether counties. And he won. But nobody's ever won... An election where they only won 477 counties. That's number one. And nobody has ever won an election when they only won one out of the 19 bellwether counties. And nobody has ever won a race when they lose Florida, Ohio, and Iowa at the same time. Guess what? Obama won Florida, Ohio, and Iowa. And guess what? Trump won Florida, Ohio, and Iowa. Biden lost everything. And not only that, but nobody's ever won when they lost the House seats. That one might be a caveat. But Obama won the House seats. Trump won the House seats. Biden lost House seats. He lost House seats. He lost Florida. He lost Ohio. He lost Iowa. He lost 18 of the 19 bellwether states. And he could even barely win 477 counties. And the way he did that was he rigged it. Because how in the world then do you get 81 million votes? 81 million votes. 81 million votes to Trump's 75 million votes. When Trump wins 2,497 counties to his 477 When Trump wins 18 of the 19 bellwether states, counties, or no, bellwether states, I guess, out of um, uh, Biden's one out of 19. And and Trump wins Florida, Ohio, and Iowa. You know, you can't, and then you look at the crowds. And you look at the circles and the empty circles and the empty rooms. And you look at all the different um, enthusiasm. You look at how, how few people show up on C-SPAN to watch a press conference that Biden put out. People don't even know what he's doing because people don't even care. And by the way, uh, one correction. Ivan Raikland called in and he said it was Hayes, not Grant, where that happened. Rutherford B. Hayes. So, um, it was the Newsweek 1876 election. 115 days decide president claims... uh, So, in Newsweek, it's the 1876 election. 115 days decide president claims voter fraud. Okay. 115 days. That's amazing. Uh, That's interesting information right there. And after Tuesday's election... Which okay, so this is Newsweek. This was actually Actually, that article was dated November sixth. Uh, but it's a very interesting uh, factoid, and um, you know, uh, we really like Ivan Raiklin. Uh, Raiklin, Raiklin, yeah, Raiklin. All right, R A I K L I N, calling in, and he just sent me those texts. That, you know, clarify some things, which is very very interesting. So we'll see what happens, but there's still a lot of hope, folks, a lot of hope, and there's a lot of new developments. Uh, President Trump isn't giving up, and we shouldn't give up on him either. Now, that being said, we got to vote in Georgia, like our life depends on it. We got to keep vigilant. You know, they are doing signature verification, and they're keeping their eye on the ball down there, and I think that uh, things are going to prevail. There's so much dirt coming out about Warnock. He couldn't possibly win. I mean, the guy is so unlikable. Turns out that he was berating and campers at the uh, church camps. Mean, vicious dude. You know, just a nasty guy. A big Castro fan. You know, a commie. And he ran over his wife's foot with a car in in rage. So, you know, Warnock is just, you know, a real dirtbag. So we should be electing dirtbags, but one of the things that's going to happen, too, is when we all march, and I'm going to be there, and a lot of people are going to be there, we're going to be marching on Washington, and we're going to be supporting our president, and we're going to uh, hold our congressmen accountable. We're going to hold them accountable. We're going to make sure that they do the right things because we need our congressmen to do the right things. You know, we can't have these Patumies of the world, you know, dictating the terms of of our lives. You know, the other thing is so true is we got to fight back against this tyranny. You know, we see that the elections are rigged. We know that they would cheat us any chance they got. And we cannot let them steamroll over our population. We cannot do that. We can't let that happen. And. I want to read this to you, too. This is Melissa Tate. Uh, Breaking news. Arizona's 11 Trump electors have joined Representative Louie Gomer's suit to define the authority given to Vice President Pence under the U.S. Constitution's 12th Amendment that grants him the power to decide which slate of electors to count from contested states. I'm telling you, one of the most important things that was done is those seven states— New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. They were all states that sent dueling electors. And the state governors, these corrupt governors, many of which should be impeached. The governor of Arizona resulted in uh, banning uh, hydroxychloroquine and ended up killing a lot of people, I think, by those decisions, They did the same BS in Michigan with Whitmer and you got Evers in Wisconsin and you have um, Ducey, a Republican, but he's an, he's a John McCain Republican in Arizona, right? He's kind of like one of those guys, a a rhino, sort of like DeWine in Ohio, but DeWine's really not important right now because Trump won a landslide in Ohio. So, you know, go figure that. But in Pennsylvania, you got Tom Wolf, And then you got these corrupt Chinese investors in Georgia. You know, Joe, Governor Kemp and uh, Raff, Raffensperger. You know, all of these different people. So we're going to go ahead and take a listen to something that we need to know. And we need to fight. And what's at stake for these elections. And we're going to listen to a lady who is on TikTok and she's really making some excellent points. And here we go, we're gonna go ahead and listen. Why are the lockdowns and shutdowns in major cities? So that people go broke. Because if people go broke, they can't afford to live in major cities such as New York City and Los Angeles. So everybody's moving out of these major cities and don't you wonder why nobody cares? They're just letting them leave not even trying to get them to stay. If anything, these cities are getting even more restricted as if they want people to leave. Why would they want people to leave? So that space becomes available. So that more Chinese investors come in and buy, buy, buy. And before you know it, America becomes China. Why are the lockdowns and shutdowns? See that? So there you go with that. You know, that is... Uh, that is what we're up against we don't want these draconian lockdowns we don't want this totalitarian draconian style leadership we don't want that you know and right now biden is complaining that he's not getting his briefings why should he he cheated everybody knows it and trump knows it and it's a national he's a national security risk you know with hunter biden Uh, and all of his naked photos and and all of these different things that we're dealing with. uh, What we have is we have some major, major problems. We have some major problems with the Bidens, the corruption. There's there's new information that's been released from Ukraine, and that's coming out. So you never know what's going to happen. This guy could get arrested before January 20th. He could get arrested before January 6th. There's a lot of things that can happen, folks, and I don't think that Donald Trump is calling everybody to D.C. just to pressure uh, the congressmen to do the right things, you know. But because they know that Trump has a base and a following, a followership, and I like what Matt Gates said. He said it's no longer. I'm no. He said I'm not going back to the Republican Party. This is Trump's party, and the the new Republican Party is going to be fulfilled by the Trump agenda. But let's take a listen to Representative um, Gates. Now, he's talking about something we're going to switch gears a little bit and go to the NDAA, which uh, was hijacked by the Forever War lobby and their bought-and-paid-for allies in the United States Congress. President Trump uh, took a principled stand against this unprincipled legislation by vetoing it. Let's take a listen to this.
1: I oppose the NDAA not because I'm against our troops, but because I love them so much. America's fighting men and women are so precious that they should not have to die in some failed state, some faraway land that most Americans can't even point to on a map so that defense contractors can extend our involvement in these wars, so that lobbyists can get rich, and so that members of Congress can get re-elected. This good bill has been hijacked by the forever war lobby and their bought-and-paid-for allies in the United States Congress. It puts barriers in the way of an administration that wants to bring our troops home and put America first. This legislation has become too swampy. It does good things to ensure that America can vanquish any foe on the battlefield, but we should only fight When that fight is just and proper we have spent two decades trading the same villages back and forth in afghanistan and i believe that the administration that leads our country should work to bring those troops home and unfortunately this bill does exactly the opposite from afghanistan from germany and elsewhere i'm going to put america first and i'm voting against this bill i yield
2: back and we're going to go ahead and play andy biggs Hey Andy Biggs
3: here from Arizona's 5th Congressional District. I'm going to tell you briefly about the uh, veto override uh, that we just voted on. It's important to understand that President Trump vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act, which is about $900 billion of directed spending, except for it wasn't spent just on national defense. It had all kinds of policy, and it just junk. Um, We're sending money, millions of dollars, to the Afghan security forces to do what? To teach them about gender equity. Uh, This is a country that, in parts of it, it's tribal and uh, uses Sharia law. Also, we're sending millions of dollars around the world for early childhood development programs in other nations, not in our nation, which might benefit from that. We're also requiring small businesses to register with the federal government. And these are just a few of the myriad of problems for which President Trump said that he was vetoing the bill. I'm pleased to say that I am voting to uh, sustain the veto. That means I'm voting with President Trump to, uh, because I think his decision was correct to veto this bill. And it's a crying shame because the most egregious portion of this is to limit The use of the uh, the authority given to the Commander-in-Chief within the Constitution to move and deploy troops.
2: All right. So, uh, you know, what uh, (laughs) we—those are really good positions that they take. And these are great leaders in the Republican Party. Uh, We're coming to the end of our show today, but uh, I just want to recap. You know, we talked about January 6th. We talked about Pennsylvania—new Pennsylvania fraud. We talked about Arizona and Kelly Ward joining the lawsuit with Louis Gomer suing Pence to get Pence to do the right thing. And basically, uh, it's a, really a catalyst. I believe that Pence has every intention of doing the right thing. I think this is just an indicator. This is a coordinated effort. This is not an adversarial confrontation between the two. I think that this is a coordinated effort, but it's a legal strategy. Uh, where you can, uh, the folks can stipulate uh, and agree upon uh, the path forward. And uh, and then it also, I think it compels this lawsuit, compels rhinos like Toomey and, and others uh, that this could uh, have legal ramifications down the road and that they need to not look at this as a political football or political posture and and look at it more... Uh, from a legal perspective, should we be certifying fraudulent elections? Should we? And the answer is absolutely unequivocally no. And then the other part is uh, more evidence is coming out about Dominion voting machines. Um, uh, Monkey says, did you know dominionvoting.com shares an SSL certificate hosted on IPs based in multiple countries, including Serbia, Canada, and the USA. Now, they're using Cloudflare, but still, it's an indicator that a lot of the data was uh, outside of the United States, which, if you look at President Trump's EO from 2018, it becomes uh, very clear that there was some foul play and some violation of law. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. My name is Scott Adams, and I'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now.
0: Where I stand, the mounds getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper.
1: Just to bury my kids right up to there